Welcome to the Basilea Hollywood Podcast, a community of friends committed to the message and practice of Jesus and His Kingdom. We uh, have been trucking through the Gospel of Matthew, and Today we are officially in chapter 23, which means we're a little bit closer to chapter 28, which is the final chapter of Matthew, not of whatever else. Um, Joke didn't land. Okay, so uh, Brady's going to come up and pray for me, and then I'm going to talk for a little bit. Yeah, God, we're interested in what you have to say today, so we ask for your, we just ask for what you have to say to be clear as Troy shares, and that your kingdom would come, and we would see a breakthrough today, and what is shared, and how we put that into practice. Amen. Thanks, dude. If you have a Bible, electronic or on paper, I would invite you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23, starting at verse 1. I'm using the NIV version. If you have a different version, I'll forgive you that sin. Um, That was a joke. Uh, We're also going to have the text up here behind me. Um, And why don't we go ahead and just read it together, okay? Uh, Nice and strong. Usually, I don't know about you, but in the morning, my my voice tends to be a little deeper than it is any other time of the day. So why don't we reach for that depth and, uh, and read this text out loud together? Here we go. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their wide and the tassels on the garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi. For you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted." This is God's word. So I just want to start by 
giving context and maybe even uh, sort of summing up, summarizing the text, what's going on here. Uh, so in this text, we see Jesus, the Messiah, the, that just means anointed one, uh, the king of the Jews, the king that they were waiting for to lead them into victory. They were thinking military victory, kill the Romans, get back their land, and be in charge. If, if well, probably, I'm, I'm guessing most of you know, that's not the kind of Messiah that Jesus was. And in doing so, he actually disappointed a lot of people. So Jesus has been in the temple. He's doing prophetic-like, Messiah-like things. And he's right in the face of the religious leaders of the temple. The temple in Jesus' day was the place you went to worship. It was the place you went to worship. And he's talking to the guys who were in charge, who had the authority, who had the power to make decisions. They were like the top dogs, okay? And so this is pretty insane what Jesus does here. He calls them out. He critiques them, he speaks truth to power, and he indicts them. And this is actually just the beginning <laughs> of a very long indictment uh, called, people have called them the seven woes. I call them the seven woes, okay? But, you know, whatever. We can agree to disagree on that. So this is the beginning. I know, right? This is the beginning of that. Jesus is just getting started. And I don't know about you, but for me, in my head, Jesus is like just gentle Jesus. Jesus would never get mad. Jesus would never call anybody out. Jesus would never indict anyone. Jesus would never um, challenge anyone. He would never expect anything of anyone. And I've got to tell you, as one who has uh, been in that headspace, uh, that is not the Jesus that we read about in the Gospels. It's just not. And that's important for a lot of reasons, uh, and we'll talk about some of those today. Um, so Jesus is there. He's talking about these religious leaders, specifically uh, the, the scribes. They were um, the experts in the law. And the Pharisees. The Pharisees, most of you, I'm guessing, probably know a bit about the Pharisees or you've heard of them. They were a group of religious leaders who actually made a huge effort to be very holy. They took following God seriously, and they did that through following the law that God had given. And they went the extra mile, meaning they put laws upon laws because you, you have laws, but then you have to interpret the laws, right? Like, what, what does this law mean for us today? They did the same thing in the first century. So you have another law, and then they might put another law behind that. So they're creating this, this barrier to try and keep you as far away from disobeying the law as possible, okay? Now, they sound pretty holy. They sound pretty serious. They sound pretty, um, pretty uh, intense, right? So Jesus 
is talking about them and he does not have nice things to say. He has an indictment against them. And his main indictment in this text is that they exalt themselves and not God. They exalt themselves and not God. Jesus, how can you say that? How dare you say that? Where do you get the courage to say that, Jesus? This is insane. Jesus said it. They weren't doing their job. And they were not leading people as they should have. And this played out in three ways. Okay, so they exalted themselves, not God. What does that mean? Well, Jesus tells us. Number one, they didn't practice what they preached. Number two, in their service to God, their heart motivation was not to honor God, but rather to impress other people, to receive praise, to receive applause from others. That was their heart motivation. And number three, they felt because of their title and position that they were actually too important to get down and dirty and be of service to others. So this is Jesus' indictment of the religious leaders. He calls them out. And I think there's actually, um, uh, there's life, there's something for us in this ancient text. There's something God has for us in the here and now today. Okay? So the main indictment is self-exaltation. What are we talking about? This idea of elevating, promoting, advancing ourselves and our agenda, trying to upgrade our importance. Whereas the contrast of that is humility. And what I'm going to tell you what humility is not. Humility is not beating yourself up for being a bad person. That's not humility. Humility, according to Scripture, is about elevating, promoting, lifting up God, and advancing His agenda, which is the kingdom of heaven breaking in. And all of us have these Pharisaic-like tendencies, right? And so I believe what God is inviting us to is to drop those, to turn from those, to glorify God through becoming more like Jesus, being humble, and practically, how do we do that? Three ways. Do what we say. Do things to honor God and not to receive applause. And drop our self-importance so that we can be of service to one another. Okay, so I'm just going to talk a little bit about each of those points. Again, we're talking about how can we be more like Jesus how can we be more humble? Here are three ways from this text.
Number one, practicing what we preach. So in verse four, Jesus is saying that the religious leaders, he says, uh, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. I read some commentaries, commentators, uh, surprisingly don't seem to be extremely confident in what this meant and what this looked like. Uh, my opinion is that uh, in regards to, so what was this heavy load that the Pharisees were putting on the backs of other people that they were converting? Rules to make you right with God. Again, the intention is good. But I think we all know that, or at least I'll speak for myself. <laughs> I know that when someone says, don't do fill in the blank, that makes me actually want to do it more. And then start thinking, how, how can I do that? <laughs> and I know it's wrong, but that's just my sin nature. That's my broken tendency, right? So doing what we say, practicing what we preach. And I was thinking about this in regards to community and to relationship. And I was thinking about how being a person of your word, which, by the way, I, 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 I want to say <laughs> that... Um, to me, this text uh, and the indictment that Jesus has on the Pharisees, this is like, it feels like my, potentially my, um, my sin list, like my, my list of go-to sins. So like saying something and then not doing it is actually something I'm really good at. Uh, and some of you have probably experienced that <laughs> in this community. Um, but I'm working on it. And it matters to me, and I'm trying to get better, and I'm asking the Lord for help. Uh, but I'm thinking about this, you know, it's like, we've probably all known somebody, and maybe we know them right now, someone who does not do what they say. And we've got to have grace, right? Like, we all make mistakes, we all don't do what we say, uh, to various degrees, but... When you meet someone and there's a consistency where they say something and then they don't do it, you notice, right? You take notice and that's disappointing. And then we can become cynical, meaning when they say, after we become aware, you know, after they say, uh, or when, again, when they say, you know, hey, I'm going to do blah, 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 in your heart, you're like, what an idiot, you know, stop talking. Like, I just, I just don't believe you, you know? Like, your words basically have no meaning. So we can grow cynical, and then we begin to slowly distance ourselves from that person. Because trust has been broken, 
And trust is the bedrock of any relationship. So if there's no trust, there can't be a real relationship. So doing what we say, I think, actually helps build relationship, healthy relationship, helps build trust, and is actually a part of how we love one another. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, what? Trust is like glue in a relationship. <laughs> I feel like the timing didn't work. That's okay, though. Um, trust is the glue. I, I actually picked that picture. I know it's a little cheesy. It's, it's kid's glue. I don't know about you, but when I was young and in school, I, that was probably the glue that I used. Um, so it's... I like the picture. Um, yeah, it's good. It's really good. Uh, so, uh, it's, think about it like this. No trust, no glue. No say what you do, no glue. I'm making stuff up. I know. Um, I'm just, I'm playing with language. Um, you know, when I, I hope this makes sense. When I was young, when I was a boy, I got in trouble a lot. Uh, but this, there's a particular time when I got in trouble. Uh, I don't remember what happened or why it happened or why I got in trouble, what I did wrong. But I do remember the consequences. And what happened was I did something my parents thought was wrong. And they, um, they locked me in my room from the outside. They put something on the door handle. And as a kid, that was, uh, and I was thinking about this, that was probably one of the most traumatic experiences in my life as a child. Um, like, thinking about it even today, it's like the memory is so strong. The memory of feeling out of control because control was actually taken from me feeling um, terrified because I didn't know why what was happening was happening. And I didn't know when I was going to get out. So for me, as I was hurt in that way, I've realized that I've carried that hurt into adulthood and that, unfortunately, from that hurt, I made a connection as a kid, a connection between punishment and follow-through, because my parents followed through in punishment. I hope this makes sense. So for me, one way that I've learned to be safe and to avoid punishment is to do my best to not say I'll do anything because then I might be held accountable. And it's, it's like, this, it's so lopsided. Like, it's not true, right? Nobody's going to lock me in my room if I don't, right? Alicia? Nothing personal. You were just sitting there. Uh, nobody's going to lock me in my room if I don't follow through, right? 
But there is this internal connection that I've made as a kid in order to be safe. And so I'm asking the Lord into that memory and asking for him to sever that connection. And to be honest, as a leader, it also makes me feel terrible to ask anything of you. And like to hold you accountable, like, wait, but you said this, but you're, you're doing this, help me understand. Like, that is actually terrifying to me. Now, that's, I think that's a weakness as a leader, but I'm just being honest. Like, that's uh, a thing for me, and I need healing from that too. So, practicing what we preach, doing what we say, it matters. Uh, number two. Die. <laughs> I used to be in a metal band. Die. No. Um, uh, die to pursuing praise. Stop pursuing praise. Uh, I think we have a, a picture of some hands clapping. Yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but if I'm modest... I want to be the person that you can't see in the picture who's receiving the praise, the good job, the adoration. Um, and what I'm not saying is that in being encouraged or encouraging others, uh, you know, good job, I'm not saying that that is wrong or unhealthy or sinful. But what I, the point that I do want to make is that can grow into an unhealthy space. And specifically what I mean, what I'm talking about, is codependency. Does, it, does everybody know what that means? Or maybe you've heard of that before? Nobody's using their hands, so I really don't know. Okay, there's a few. All right, good, good. Uh, so just, just in case that's like a new idea to you, uh, probably not, but uh, there's, there's sort of three ways that I've, I've heard this talked about. Um, there's, uh, in terms of like doing life, doing relationships, there's being independent, the posture of like, I hate people. I don't like people. I, I just want to be alone. I don't need any help. And maybe you're here today and you're like, yeah, that's where I'm at. Uh, there is... Interdependence, which is what we promote, uh, which is um, being okay with ourselves because we're okay with how Jesus feels about us. We're sinking deeper and deeper into his love and giving him permission to shape our identity, to define us, to tell us who we are, we are beloved children of God. That's the place we're aiming for. And codependence is essentially a relational, a relationship addiction. And it's unhealthy. And, uh, you know, every, all of us want to feel relevant. All of us want to have value. Again, I'm not saying... Uh, like, that that stuff doesn't matter. I'm talking about the unhealthy relationships. There's so much to say. We could do, like, a whole series 
for like a year on codependency. Uh, but I just want to I just want to give one uh, like verbal example of uh, codependency, uh, which is this: a consequence of codependency is poor boundaries. You react to everyone's thoughts and feelings. If someone says something you disagree with, you either believe it or become defensive. You absorb their words because there's no boundary. With the boundary, you'd realize it was just their opinion and not a reflection of you and not feel threatened by disagreements. So boundaries are about where I begin and I end. And as I'm in relationship, where you begin and where you end. It's this idea of, I cannot be okay. What's that? Me speak up? Oh, I'm sorry. Sure, yeah. I, I, have, I have more depth in my voice. I can, I can, uh, I can reach for that. So, um, it's like, I can't be okay unless you tell me I'm okay or unless you're okay. I, my well-being, my attitude, my happiness uh, is dependent on somebody else. Does that make sense? Okay. This matters. So dying to the pursuit of praise. And number three, serving others. Service, I believe, is at the guts of the gospel. Serving others helps chip away at self-importance. You know, how do we serve others? There's a million ways um, you can pick up trash. But being in this posture of, you know, I don't think I'm actually as important as I think I am. And you see Jesus, Jesus modeled this. You guys remember when he washed his disciples' feet? Jesus laid down his title, his authority. And I don't know if you know this, but in the first century, washing someone's feet was was reserved. That was the job of a servant in a household was to wash someone's feet. And it was a dirty job. So for Jesus to go that low as the king was like, what are you doing? And that's why his disciples had such an adverse reaction. Like, you're the king. You need to, be, you need to not be doing this. But Jesus shows us the example of being of service to others through washing his disciples' feet. 
And finally, Jesus goes to the cross. And I want to point us to Jesus as we wrap up. So Jesus basically did the opposite of the people he was indicting. Whereas they were exalting themselves, Jesus was exalting God in that he did what he said. He told his disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem, I will suffer, and I will be crucified. He said that, he did that. Jesus did not live for the applause of others. Everyone wanted him to be the Messiah on their terms and define him. Jesus, take up the sword. Let's kill the Romans. Let's be on top again. But Jesus, in his worship and obedience to God, laid down his life. He did not take up the sword. He received the sword. And third, Jesus laid down his title to serve others. You know, he said, the Son of Man has not come to be served, but rather to serve and to lay down his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus, in his words and in his actions and in his story, lives what he says. And he is our example. And as we become more like Jesus, we glorify God. As we become more humble, we become more like Jesus. And we practice becoming more humble through doing what we say, dying to applause, laying down our titles and our self-importance and serving each other. Let's stand.